0: When I was getting this podcast off the ground, we first started as the Wedgecast, evolved into the Map Action show. There was a lot of questions that we had, like, how do I record an episode? How do I get my show in all the different places like Spotify, Apple Music, Anchor, Zencaster, all these different places. And yet, it just seemed very, very complicated. But the simple thing for us, as we began to navigate the waters, is the answer to every single one of these questions. Questions, excuse me, was really simple. It's Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100 free. Yeah, free, and it's ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise in your podcast. That means you can get paid podcasts right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah, making money. Okay. It's sweet. It's easy. It's not a big cheap plug on an ad, but it's just su- simple and easy to use. So for us, it's one of the best parts about it is we can do it entirely remote or in studio. So you can record, you've got that really, really high, you know, high in the sky person that you're going to have as a guest in your podcast. You got to do it remote anchors, easy to use. You got people who are willing to come to your studio, your house, your office, wherever you're recording it. Boom. Anchor. Love it. Simple, easy, simple, and easy to use. So if you ever want to start a podcast, make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start. Join me in the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. Can't wait to hear your podcast. What's up podcast listeners? I'm hanging out with Tim Sackett round two. For those of you that enjoyed round one with Tim Sackett, this one's fabulous as well. For those of you who were being lame and didn't listen to that one, you're going to enjoy this podcast because specifically I sort of felt a little calling on my heart because all I'm seeing on LinkedIn pre-pandemic is everybody talking about this idea of empathy, 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 empathy. It's empathy has sort of become the business plan. We're going to lead with empathy. And honestly, I don't mean this in a harsh way. I didn't know what that meant. I don't know how you can run a business off of empathy. I think it is an amazing term to be able to describe a certain situation or how you want to interact with somebody or how you, as as a leader, want to endorse being understanding of your employees and being understanding of the environment and understanding of your suppliers. But that's not a business plan. And so I wanted to chalk it up with Tim Sack and get his thoughts because he certainly uses a bit of a different definition of the way leaders are saying empathy and actually thinks it's something else. And that's what I wanted to chalk it up with him about, have a better understanding for myself because he's a leader in the space and sees companies all over the country and all across the world. And so anyways, we dive in, talk a little smack about this term called empathy. Enjoy it. Stay tuned for more podcasts to come. Tim Sackett, you are the man. Thank you so much for being a guest. All right, everybody. I am here with the Tim Sackett. Tim Sackett's become a bit of a uh, a distant mentor. Every time I get to hang out with him, I'm jealous. Uh, I think he's a little bit taller than me, but he's a backup point guard, so I I don't know where we stand on on those things, but no, Tim, is, uh, we're both Michigan guys, and it's fun to chalk it up with him in the HR tech space. I think the last time we saw each other in person was actually in San Francisco, so Mm -hmm. to only go back to those days, but anyway, so this is, this is going to be a fun, fun show, and one of the things that I really want to talk about today is this concept of empathy, right? And We're going to dive mm-hmm. in. We're going to chalk it up a little bit, but Tim, for those that haven't listened to you before, listened to my podcast with you before, can you just give the quick snapshot of who you are?
1: Yeah. Um, so I, I uh, Tim Sackett. Uh, I write and blog every day at timsackett.com. I run a staffing firm out of out of Lansing, Michigan, but we do stuff all over the country. Uh, senior faculty member on in the Josh Burson Academy, and I tend to get around the internet a lot uh, in a very professional way, not like in a porn way or anything like that. But <laughs> I was about uh, to
0: say when you first say it like that, that's not a good look. <laughs> All right, love that. So the reason, the inspiration behind this is we were, uh, Tim was the keynote speaker on a panel that I was on. He brought up this concept of empathy. And so what I want to start with is just the Google definition of empathy. And then we'll backtrack mm-hmm. to why I felt the need to have this conversation. So the literally when you Google empathy, you get the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. The concept of walk a mile in somebody else's shoes. One mm-hmm. thing from that I have seen time and time again is this concept of people talking about, we want to be empathetic to our employees. As managers, we want to be empathetic and understanding of what they have going on. As business leaders, we want to be empathetic and understand. I think that's amazing. Where I have gotten a little bit of a challenge in my own world is hearing people talk about, we want to be leading with empathy, or we're, we're, we're being empathetic to what's going on. And that is like, the statement or the business plan and leads more confusion and questions for me than answers. And so Tim, I just would love to hear your take on this and then we'll just chalk it up, smack talk and see where we, <laughs> see where we land. So yeah, you know, I, um, I
1: tend to kind of chuck when somebody says that it's some it's just it's kind of the same way i chuckled when the ceo would say you know oh our people are a most valuable asset and you're like yeah but not really you know i mean that's not exactly what they were saying but they, it was it was a good soundbite i think what happened is people um misunderstood the definition of empathy versus compassion um empathy really is a poor um kind of way to make decisions um, from a business standpoint. It is, it, it, having empathy is a solution to a problem, right? Um, in terms of a business leadership kind of way. Um, and so it's one of those nice things to say, Is like, oh yes, we're a very empathetic organization. I think what you wanna say is, And like, I think there's a book out there called um, Against Empathy, right? And it's the the professors, Paul Bloom, that wrote it. And um, it was kind of controversial when it came out a few years ago, um, primarily because he was making a case for rational compassion, which I think is really what these leaders are saying, these executives, which is, I care about you as a person. I truly do. I would never want anything bad to happen to you. Also, understandably, though, I really have a bigger umbrella of compassion that I have to worry about because I can't have empathy for every single employee the way and also have it for the organization. It doesn't work that way, right? Because if I was truly empathetic and then you were going through a bad situation, I would do everything to help you in your situation alone, which could be even that I would cost the company and every employee their job just to help you. That's being empathetic. Being compassionate is saying, I understand what you're going through and we're going to do as much as we can to a point where I don't hurt the whole, right? And so I think that's where this misalignment happens. I think people say empathy, what they're really meaning is just saying, I have compassion. We're a compassionate organization. We truly care about our employees, but I don't care for them enough individually that I'm going to cost the entire company for one, right? I mean, to me, that makes sense. And so when you talk a lot, you know, especially within the HR world that I work in, people go, "Oh, oh, okay, yeah, that makes more sense." Like, I'm not gonna, you know, give every dollar of the company to to save Matt's life, so that a thousand employees lose their job and their families go hungry. Like, that's just dumb. You yeah. know? You're that's hurting more people. To, you're ultimately hurting more people. So, I think part of it is just it's a buzzword that sounds like you really care for people and 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 so to me i'm thinking you know th- it would be best to say like look we 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 care as much as we can but that doesn't that sound like they're like what does that mean yeah that's <laughs> you know, not a, like, that's not a business plan <laughs> um but I, I don't i think people are uncomfortable like in the reality of of actually stating the obvious and so we do like the marketing speak you know I'll do anything, you know, to help our employees. And like, I, in, you know, we hear these leaders say that, but we, we we know the reality when push comes to shove, they're the one pushing over an old lady in the supermarket to get that last roll of toilet paper. Like, it's just, you know, I mean, and I think the pandemic has kind of uncovered a lot of, uh, you know, kind of taken the veil off a lot of this stuff. And we we get that now, right? Where, you know, you have these people coming out and you're like, wait a minute, you you know, you said you know we lead with empathy. It's in our mission statement, and yet we just had to lay off ninety percent of the you know our employees. You know, it's like yeah, it turns out you know we got to save the company.
0: You know, the uh, the con- so I got to ask, and then so I have been in the the business world for call. I've been doing business, we'll call it for 10 years, but when I really boil it down, I have been interacting with uh, going to conferences, company cultures, dealing in HR for, let's call it two years, and I would even say that's on the higher end. So I'm curious, like from a leader's perspective, do we just go through these cyclical transitions of what's the hot topic word? So like the one that I, I mean, leading with empathy or whether it's compassion is where things go and then people are going to find why that's a bad idea and then the new ones are going to come out. Is that just like how things work? Is it just one onto the next one onto the next one until we've finally realized that that doesn't work as well as we thought? i mean i don't know how i think you're what 27 years old so you've only been around for five years or whatever that is but like what walk me through that
1: yeah like you're kind of giving the dirty little secret away for consultants right like that's the entire consulting world is going from one you know kind of hot topic to the next um you know and and we see that on the speaker circuit as well as like oh, it's, you know, and I always like tease, like Kevin Grossman's a really good, great guy. And I think he's done, I mean, more in the world to increase candidate experience than anybody else, right? But I would tease him early on about candidate experience being made up. And it was, I mean, there, it was made up, right? And we figured that oh, it's, it's super important that we treat candidates great. Well, if you have ultra low unemployment, everyone's bought in. And all of a sudden you go to ultra high employment you know, and all of a sudden people are kind of like, yeah, you know, screw the screw those candidates right like we, i i can I can piss a few off. it doesn't matter now we hope we learn something right from the great recession to now, we actually would treat people better, but I mean we this happens right, like we just go from one to the next, so what's this next one? I can tell you right now, coming out of the pandemic and taking a look at the next twelve to twenty four months. There's going to be a huge focus on performance-driven cultures, right? Now, what's the name somebody will come up with so it doesn't sound like, you know, that we're we're actually beating the shit out of people to get more
0: results? I don't know. I haven't made it up yet, but when I do- We're just waiting the for you, yeah. I Tagline of Tim Sackett, that's his. <laughs> yeah.
1: They'd this be, is- uh, Leading with compassionate results, right? Like, what the hell-
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They're, they're emotionally, these were, you know, well-vested emotional results. So the the concept that I actually, I, I, I just thought about this, about this on the, on the empathy side of things. One thing that I really don't understand about like kind of poking holes through the logic of we're leading through empathy is the crosswinds of everybody talking about, we want to be a organization that brings in such different perspectives and different, uh, backgrounds. And we want to have, you know, fantastic, lovely. I, full supporter of that, but how can you truly be empathetic with Tim? I have no idea what you've walked through. And quite frankly, I'm never going to, and I don't really care to at the depths of the core, but I care to hear you and, and and learn about what you care about. That to me seems empathetic, but completely crosses against what actually empathy is. And so I don't understand how leading with empathy can be a thing when you have a truly diverse workforce in the best of possible ways. Can those two, like, challenge my logic here, because it, it, it's, it's confusing, it, it's frustrating to me how those two things can be on the same mission statement.
1: No, I, I mean, I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a truly rare leader that can, that can say those kinds of things and back it up. Right, um, I in our we take a look at our our t- talent acquisition world um, of technology. So the TA tech world, um, I take a look at someone like a like a, a Daniel Che over at Greenhouse, John Strauss. Those are two of the guys I would take a look at and go, probably the closest I can think of of being a really great empathetic, um, inclusive type of individual. They try to understand. Now again. To me, that again, it's more of that rational compassion. and trying to get you know understand all that, trying to value, bringing in all these differences. Um, most leaders will say it, but they're not. It's not. They're not even close, right? To what to what that really is, um, and what that should be. But you know, when times are great, it's a soundbite, man. It sounds great. Like we're all fat and happy, and like oh, I can take care of everybody. Because the reality is, is there's so few issues that actually happen if one pops up to be like, Oh, look, we gave Mary a new car because her got stolen. And aren't we great leaders? You know, and you're just like, shut up. Like,
0: that was you know, a tax write off you, you, you like, you were trying to put that money somewhere and it happened to be convenient. <laughs> you know,
1: it's, it's, it's easy to say when everybody is like swimming in business and cash and all that, like, we can all be great empathetic leaders. When times get tough is when you'll find where someone really is on that leadership, that spectrum. And I think what we'll find most of us are, you know, know, I think you get into survival mode of the organization and um, you'll see some bad things happen, but you also see just the most wonderful things happen where people will come out and and be very gracious in in how they treat their people and how they treat their companies. Um, It's, man, like, I, I think the hard part for all of this is when you, let's hope, like, right, you know, with you and I, like, this is a once in a lifetime kind of thing, right? So let's hope that we'll never have to go through something like this. Um, and so I think what this really uncovers is that we're all really shitty at crisis management.
0: I mean... We are way more fragile than we had ever imagined.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, and, and, I, and here's the other piece of it, though, is that there's no, there's no ROI for crisis management. Like, if I'm a leader of an organization, and I'm making widgets and i'm you know I'm making wedges, and I'm just you know, I got two hundred and fifty employees. like guess what? I'm not thinking about a rainy day fund and you know everything possible that could go wrong. I'm trying to make as much money as I can right now and be as prosperous as I can for my employees and my company, my stakeholders, and trying to survive to the next day. Um, and that's the vast majority of businesses in the world, and so I, so, I mean, so I, I, we all want to come out like, oh, we're going to learn from this and we're going to be better. No, we're not. Like we're, we're going to get out of this. We're going to get back to work. We're going to try to, again, get back on the same treadmill and try to do it all over again. I'm not going to go and say, oh, well, I have a trunk full of cash in the back room just in case the shit blows up again. I think it's not going to happen.
0: That's it. Wrap it up. Don't even think about it. (laughs) That's good. Uh, So it's interesting you bring up, and this is uh, bouncing back a little bit, hearing you say this. So uh, the amount of, um, I think you're absolutely spot on, and I anecdotally can validate this, of the performance management and how important that's going to become, even more so in the results-driven. I think specifically it's like right now I have seen CEOs be so we're we're a partnership play. So Wedge is tacking on with different applicant tracking systems and we're we're scaling that way. So I have seen more CEOs step in and ask uh results-oriented questions that two months ago wouldn't even have even known we were partners. And just so hearing those conversations, which is super cool for us, but also like you know those are not conversations that otherwise would have happened and so just towards that is I I can see that I mean at least in our our world as well too I mean do you have any thoughts of kind of how you see that in in your side of things like specifically where the results orientation is really going to take over
1: yeah I I think from a talent perspective very quickly we're going to start to see organizations especially executives asking questions around here's what we know um in bad times in crisis management like this is the executives will basically come to hr talent acquisition their ceo see anybody right any leadership and they're basically all they want to know is two things how fast and how deep are we going to cut that's it like when i mean that's because they again they're in that, that survival mode of we have to protect the core so there's something to coming out And so quite, so after you get through like the shock of a crisis and, you know, no toilet paper, all of a sudden what happens is you go back and you go, okay, um, let's take a look at everybody And and it becomes a results conversation, right? It's like, oh, I have Tim and I have Bill and I have Mary. Well, you know. Bill's the weak link there. He needs to go bye-bye. And Tim and Mary better step it up. By the way, let's tell them exactly what we're measuring now, you know, and stuff like that. Like, we should have had all this stuff anyways. I will tell you, one of the crises that we see from work-at-home culture is that all these organizations found out that they really don't have great measures. <laughs> they, they were like, oh, that's kind of subjective. And yeah. now that you're working at home, I don't know what's really going on or not. So I think that's something else we'll see on the performance side of coming out is we'll have, definitely have more people that I think will have flexibility to work from home, but they're going to have to come back and say, hey, by the way, here's some black and white measures that show that I'm actually succeeding in the job that I have. And if you can't show that, I have one question, do I need you? or two question do you even have the ability to work at home because obviously you can't even tell me what you're how you're doing and why it's valuable to the organization so if i'm sitting at home right now and i'm working and i'm watching this i'm probably thinking I better come up with some really great measures to show that I'm valuable.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And even if they're off the fact that you thought through presentable and say, Hey, here's the reasons why, here's what I'm working on. And here's my thoughts. Um, I don't know if you know, uh, Chris, uh, Chris Dyer, People G2. I just did a Mm -hmm. podcast with him and they switched fully remote in 2009. And he said it was amazing because they discovered some of the employees that thought were really good are actually terrible employees and some of the employees that were terrible in the workplace were actually amazing you know producers and so just you know hearing the very black and white metrics of like great it's great to talk to you i like hanging out with you i mean i'm a sales guy so if my results are not good i'm gonna justify why they're not good or hey you know hey we're working on that we're working on that well so why, show me the black and white results so it's just it's it's fascinating i like that well no and i think i mean
1: and we're not talking about sales people they sales salespeople- always lived under right hard measures. Either either you're, you know, you know, baking the donuts or you're not. I think when we take a look at every other part of our business, HR, TA, finance, operations, like you better have hard like in numbers, and not subjective, right? Like HR will be like, oh, we do hiring manager satisfaction or some other like worthless kind of subjective measure. Tell me what you really feel about
0: that. I wasn't quite getting it.
1: (laughs) Stop it. Like I, you know, that doesn't tell me anything. It tells me you can have a great, you know, you can basically build a great relationship with a hiring manager, but you might never actually find any talent. Like who cares about that, right? So I do think we'll get harder, faster into some really deep metrics um you know from that standpoint i you know I, i'm not a big believer that the the country or the world's gonna start it's gonna like 70 percent of us are gonna work from home now because i'll tell you i think most people don't actually like working from home
0: are you in your um, office right now i am i'm in my i'm in my office right now too i mean same and i'm a remote company so it's the same logic people are going to go in people people want to be around i i totally agree with that
1: there's a, I think there's a huge part of our population that actually wants to have that work interaction face to face with people and be around people, and I will tell you, um, many of those people um, are, are are having a really hard time being at home because of the loneliness side. Yeah, they don't want. So all these people that say, "Oh, I want to work at home, and I wish I could work at home," what they're saying is they don't really want to work at home. They just want it, the flexibility for some days maybe to be at home, right? Like, ah, oh, God, I can't even catch up on the laundry. If I could work from home, I could actually rotate it do some work, rotate do some work. And that would be great. Wouldn't that be great? Yep. but I don't want to do that every day. I just maybe want to do that on Thursday. You, know? you,
0: live, you live this because I know you travel a ton. And I, I, the last five years, I have truly worked remote. I come into the office every once in a while, but it's freaking lonely being on the road all the time truly like working from home for a month straight and not interact. I mean, it's, so I don't think people are as like, I don't think, I think it's gonna be a rude awakening for people who really want that and they don't have a place to go into the office. So I, I totally agree. I, I I think it's, I want the idea that I can uh, on Fridays take a half day or on Thursdays I can work fully from home. I I totally agree. I don't, I don't think as many people are well equipped for that lifestyle as they think.
1: Yeah. Here's, you know, things that no one's talking about is that when we come back and get the ability to bring people back into the office if that's the decision that an organization makes an organization is not going to go oh hey yeah matt like you do whatever you feel is best for you if you want to work at home a few days and work it here a few days that's great we'll just double up the expenses that's good for us that's not going to (laughs) happen it's either you're going to work from home and here's what you get or you're going to work here and here's what you get right but it's not oh let's just come back and like oh hey it's monday i decided to come in and, and work in my office for one way a week like no you don't need an office idiot you're only here one day a week there's, there's that a cubicle
0: table. in the back that you can yeah. go take where you don't want to where the guy sneezes a lot or whatever yeah. go sit in a bullpen
1: there's a table with like 14 outlets plug in have fun and like that but that's going to be the re- I think there's a new design that will happen we saw that coming out of like the Great Recession, we saw like the office furniture manufacturers and stuff did this open design. And I think what we see coming out of like for the next design is going to be this multi-use design, right? Where you go, hey, nobody actually has a a station or a desk or whatever. You have the ability to work from anywhere. And if you decide to come into the office, pick a freaking spot and plop down, that's where you're working from, right? Otherwise you can work from home, but we don't have the ability to say, I'm going to have two – I'm going to pay for you to have an office here or a tube or whatever, and I'm also going to pay for you to to have a place at, at your house. Like, we just don't have the expense, you know, like for that.
0: No, not going to happen. And I'm actually so, – so the whole open space plop down where you need to concept, I'm going to ask, is it going to be – is that then going to evolve into be the uh, – the, the kids at school, once you sit down at a, at an open table, you always go back for the whole year and you sit at the same spot every single time. And then are we back in the, everybody has their own office culture 10 years from now?
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm I, well, I, I think what you're going to see is you're going to see like three segments of population, right? You're going to see a segment of population that, Hey, I'm an office dweller. Like I love coming to the office. My job actually has me. I have to come into the office, whatever. Right. Um, you're going to have people that are like, I'm a work at home person. And then you're going to have those combos, right, that can kind of travel, that can kind of pop in and out, that can work from home, and they have the ability. So I think the office is like, you're like, hey, we used to have 100,000 square feet. Now we only need 75,000 square feet. Like I was talking to a leader the other day. They're like, look, I'm sitting on a five-year lease for a million square feet. 90% of our people are working at home right now. I'm not gonna sign this thing, right? I don't need a million. I might need 250,000 going forward, but I sure as hell don't need all, all this. So, you know, we'll see how it impacts the commercial real estate field. But I, I think there's a lot of people that are gonna downsize, the, you know, the, the space that they have.
0: Yeah, you got it, spot on. Um. Well, cool. I uh, I think I covered. I got the I got the empathy <laughs> empathy out of my system. It's something I was literally getting ready to post that morning of like. I think it's less about empathy. And my personal opinion is I find it more about why don't rather than like, I don't really even think I could ever walk a mile in your shoes, but why don't I do a nice evaluation of my expectations of a person on Tim? Are they, you know did you disappoint me if so is that my problem that i didn't vocalize that or did i vocalize it and you elected not to then do we need to have a conversation right it's more expectation driven in my opinion so i was you know i was going through yeah. okay, i want to write about it i want to have a conversation about that and then you brought it up and i was like okay he's going to talk about it way better than i can so that's good
1: hey i, I mean again i'll give a shout out um to book, like against empathy by paul bloom you could go get it on amazon um I challenge like leaders that if you think you're an empathetic leader or you lead with empathy to go read that book because I think there's some research there that it, it really shows that if the more empathetic you are you actually become more biased to that individual right because if you think about it if i'm really trying to be in your shoes and i'm really trying to feel everything you feel i'm actually going to be more biased towards you to do certain things right over somebody else and so And you actually become a poor leader at that then, right? Um, Because you might, and it might cloud your judgment and and your decision-making in terms of what you might do for that individual versus another person that you're not, that you're not being empathetic with or whatever that might be. So again, like it's, it's a fascinating concept. And again, I'm not going to crap on anybody for saying like, Hey, I want to lead with empathy or whatever. Good for you. Like, you know, Hey, if it, it's nice people
0: it's a good thing. It's not, it's not, it's not, not a bad thing. It's just not not a a business plan.
1: (laughs) It's not a business plan. Um,
0: And it doesn't drive. Yeah.
1: Um, But again, in good times when like you have, like, what are you going to talk about? It's like, ah, we could, you know, basically, you know, shoot puppies out in the driveway. We're still going to make money. Like, what do you lead with with culture? Right? Like you have to figure out something. And I think, like you said, like there's this cyclical nature of, we try to create whatever that next thing is going to be. So I'm. I mean, I'm interested to see what it what it is.
0: <laughs> we'll 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 hash it out next time we're in San Francisco or we'll figure it out. So, <laughs> love Let's that. Well, Tim, is there anything else you want to add?
1: No. Yeah. If you guys want to read more about you know my ramblings, you know timsackett.com. Check it out.
0: It's good stuff. Cool, Tim. Thank you. See you later.